Yo, it's Tribe again, along with Bias, and you already know what it is. It's Thursday. Not only is it Thursday, it's the 11th episode of the Sports Bad Bros Podcast. Yes, we've carried you on your journey from Monday until Thursday. You know why? Because we're doing this four days a week. We're putting in the grind, putting in the work to have the conversation of sports with you. And while we do that, we want to let you know that we're on YouTube, as you can see. If you're watching this right now, you can see this is on YouTube, so make sure that you subscribe to the channel. And if you're going to subscribe to the channel, more importantly, make sure you like the channel. That way the algorithm gets out there and have the conversation with everybody. We want all types of sports people coming in here because, of course, right now things are kind of dead because basketball just ended, hockey just ended. There's pretty much nothing going on. But football is around the corner, both college and pro. And baseball will get to its all-star break. You know what that means once that is completed. There's a whole lot of sports ahead of us. Well, before you know it, the NBA will be back as well. Also, if you want to check us on other outlets, we are on Instagram. We are on Facebook. You can come to Facebook and check us out. Follow us. Make sure you have a conversation in there, too. The conversation is always going. In addition to that, Spotify, if you want to check out Spotify, we're there as well. We're everywhere. We're trying to be everywhere. Twitter, too. So there will be tweets. You can come and tweet us. We'll follow you. You follow us. We can take care of all of the above. So enough of the nonsense. Bias is here. I'm here. Bias, say hello to our little crowd. Maybe bigger <laughs> someday. What's up, YouTube? What's up, Spotify? Um, give us some feedback. You know, as Trav mentioned, baseball finished. Uh, NHL season is over. So if there's topics you want us to discuss, uh, give us feedback on how we're doing, things we can improve on, things you like, things you want to hear more about, you know, feedback. You know, that's the only way we're going to get to where we want to go. You know, we, we want to get uh, a lot of followers. We want to get interactions. We want to go live. So, you know, interact with us. Give us feedback and, you know, we'll do what we need to do. Yep, sports makes people rabid. Fanatics, that's what fans are, fanatics of whatever sport it is. And I'm sure we're going to talk about a lot of the sports that people are interested in. I mean, the main sports people are interested in. We'll take some of the outliers, but we know what drives sports for the most part, especially here in the U.S., but if you're around the world, you can do that as well. YouTube and other social media outlets are international as well, so it's not <laughs> relegated to what goes on here. I mean, we're not going to talk about curling on a daily basis, but we'll talk about what it is you're interested in and if we're interested also. And it's compelling information for those who are listening as well. Once again, we're trying to get this thing done four days a week, Monday through Thursday. Today's our Friday. So after this episode, which is episode number 11, we will not see you all until or hear from you all until Monday. And by then, we'll review the weekend, look forward to what's coming up and get to the bottom line. And with that said, our bottom line is we have a number of things going on. As you know, if you've been with us since Monday, we've talked about the NBA, and it just won't go away. Something keeps coming up one way or another. But we do have a litany of other topics that we have right in front of you, so we'll give you a little bit of a tidbit to know what to expect. So, of course, stupid questions being asked. What do I mean by that? Well, we'll hear about it in a little bit. Bias might do a little bit more of the explaining as Bud Crawford had a conversation with Charlemagne the God. If you The fraud, the fraud. Yeah, in the fraud, talking boxing from New York City, the Breakfast Club. If you know or are familiar with that, we're going to get. I, I refuse to. I refuse to refer to anybody as the God. Uh, He's the you know fraud. Through him. You know, I think that's more of a New York thing. They, they I don't care. I don't care. I wouldn't call. I mean, I'm not going to call him that. Well, I just did. 
But, um, you know, you have Conor McGregor back in the media again. We'll find out the reasons for that. We have a little bit of NBA talk as we try to get away from that. With the draft coming up next week, we have our champs. We're looking for free agency. All of that stuff is coming up. Major League Baseball has something to say. The NFL is around the corner, as I've mentioned. And we'll get the chance to talk about, since we broached the topic yesterday, one of the guys, one of the great NFL players who used to be the fastest man in the NFL, that's Daryl Green from the Washington Redskins, spent his entire career there. We're going to get a little bit into him before this is said and done. That and a lot more coming up on the Sports Bag Bros podcast with Bias and I. First up on the list, guess what? It's Jokic. He's been on top of the list most of the time we've spoken <laughs> since Monday. So why should any time be different now? But this time, it's for Jokic doing kind of Jokic things. Jokic loses the MVP trophy, not because of the voting, but because of absent-mindedness. What's going on? I don't know. I think it might have just been misplaced, but I did see a video with him, his wife, and his little girl with both trophies, so I'm pretty sure they located it. You know, during the celebration, it might have gotten misplaced. You know, he's jumping in the pool with Murray, and he wasn't thinking about the trophy, so when he went to look for it or whatever, maybe it just wasn't where he thought he left it. But, you know, they're drinking champagne, and they're having a good time. You know, the trophy itself was not uh, a priority to him. And why should it be? You're absolutely insane. I mean, it's a freaking trophy, at least in this culture <laughs> here, particularly in this country. Trophies matter or style points matter. And style comes with the trophy as well. He is not of this world, especially not of this Eastern world <laughs> that we live in right now or the Western world for that matter. And, um, but I, I think they ultimately found it, of course. Sparky Gonzalez, their equipment manager for the Denver <laughs> Nuggets, well, he had it in his possession. He cleaned it up and had everything ready for the parade, which they had today. The same parade that Jokic was a little bit, uh, <laughs> had a little bit of trepidation with because he just wanted to go home. Mission complete, job done. I'm time, it's time to rest. Yeah, but if you watch the parade, Jokic, he's not a, he's not a dumb man. You know, he, he told the crowd he loves the parade. He wants to go to the parade, you know, so he's not trying to, to uh, get any enemies in Denver. Now, are those his real feelings? Who knows? But, you know, at least he's smart enough to recognize he, he had to uh, play to the crowd. You know, exactly. But, I, I, you know, it's a different culture. I think we have to do more getting used to him and even Luca when he gets to that point, if he gets to that point of being a champion as well. You know, Dirk wasn't necessarily like that, but we didn't hear a lot from Dirk. Right now, we have more social media now, believe it or not, than we had when Dirk was around and in his prime. So Dirk. I think all eyes on you 24-7, even little eyes with someone's camera could make a difference. You know, if you get caught doing something very stupid, I mean, look what happened to Donald Sterling. A little camera just got him out of the business of being an NBA franchise owner. <laughs> so, I mean, cameras can really do some things to you. But I understand, and you know, is it wrong that he doesn't, seem like he loves basketball he has to love it you don't get to this level without loving and putting the work in that's necessary to compete with these guys getting to the highest level on the planet and just enjoying yourself i think he just wants it's a long season including the playoffs he just wants to go home and rest be with his family he has a good looking wife why not do it <laughs> yeah i think we'll find out if he gets to the finals next year and maybe there's a super team that beats him and we'll see how much he's devastated by it. That's when we'll find out how much he actually loves the game. Interestingly, you 
you said a super super team. Um, which super team do you believe is out there? Do you think there's a super team coming together of prominence this upcoming season, or has there really been super teams and we've been known to know them like these big threes that we've seen in the past? Do you believe that that's what's available right now, or are you just talking about a couple of guys getting together or roster from top to bottom? Because Golden State was a super team, but that was built organically the right way. Yeah, I'm talking about teams not yet constructed. There, is, there isn't a super team out there right now that I see. Teams as they're currently constructed that would beat Denver. I, I mean, obviously, they went through the playoffs, no problem. No problem. So, yeah, it's going to have to be a, a team that is newly constructed. Yeah. You know, yeah. A, lot of, a lot of free agents out there, a lot of rumors about this guy going here, that guy going over there. And, you know, we have to see how things shake out. And plus you have the draft. You know, there's probably be a trade or two that's going to affect things. Yeah. You know, a lot of a lot of things happen are going to happen before next season starts. So we'll see if any super teams are created. But as far as Jokic, you know, how can you tell how much he loves the game when he won so easily? They won in five games. They swept the Lakers. You know, if if Jamal Murray hits a buzzer beater in game seven, you know, there's a different reaction there. Yeah. But when you win in, in five games and you pretty much you pretty much know you're winning the series when you're up three one. But look, Michael Jordan never got out of a which was seven game series in his entire career. We never questioned his love for the game, his desire for the game. You know, right now we have Jokic who plays well, even when they're blowing teams out, even when they have the decided advantage he's still putting up the numbers and playing with the same intensity, even though it's in his own way because it's slower than we were used to seeing. And, and he's doing that. And by the way, do you think because of what Denver has done, obviously all eyes are on them. Do you think whoever decides to come together as a super team, they're looking at Denver and saying, we're doing this to come to you before, because before, you know, these players get together and they look at that team. That's the, the epicenter of the NBA. And they say, we're putting this together because we're coming after you. I mean, that's the purpose of it, but some of them are just stat whores. <laughs> to tell you the truth, they just want to get together, put up a lot of numbers, and they hope to get a championship out of it when there probably could have been more than one championship if they got any at all. Right. Yeah, I think teams are looking like if they don't have a big man to, to deal with Jokic, they're, they're thinking about trying to find a, a man who can deal with Jokic. You're not going to shut him down, but at least make things difficult on him. You know, at least slow him, slow him down some. You know, as as good of a player as Bam Adebayo is, he he could he couldn't affect Jokic's game. Nope. You know, and even the Lakers, they took Anthony Davis off of him because he was expending too much energy on defense. So they they put Hachimura on him. You know, it, it's going to be difficult. They're either going to go two ways. Maybe like the Golden State, Golden State way where you just have a bunch of shooters, you try to outscore them, or you need a big man who's going to slow him down somewhat. Yeah, and this league right now isn't about the big man, but the big men are doing things they hadn't done before. And in Jokic's case, he's doing what big men really haven't done traditionally. He can bang in the paint, but he runs the floor slowly, but he's also a field general, a point setter. And then he has that touch to go from the perimeter. Right make it happen then. He has that ridiculous IQ, <clears throat> the spacing and the geometry of the court. He has it all down. 
And um, it's going to be exciting to see what he does and what the rest of the NBA does to catch up to them during the offseason with all of these new things, with the CBA going into effect, teams trying to decide how they're going to keep their team together or make their teams better throughout the offseason. And with that, we stay in the NBA. But in another way, we have just controversy. Regardless of what happens, there's always someone out there trying to throw a monkey wrench into the euphoria of NBA celebrations. This time, Anna Holford, who's the sister of, of Al Holford, who plays for the, the um, well, he played for the, um, well, played for the Celtics, and he still does. And she comes out, initially, I thought it was the typical race-baiting thing, but she's talking more about gender inequality and how one is celebrated over the other, how the Jokic brothers went out there after the game five and they were able to celebrate. They were throwing Coach Malone up like they do over in Europe, you know, tossing them up. That's how they celebrate over there. And there was really nothing negative said about it. And she equated that with something that maybe some female players might have done in the past and they were called clout chasers or whatever it might have been. I didn't bother to go deep into exactly what she was talking about, but this gender equality thing, it, and socially, there may be something to it, but sports-wise, when you have supply and demand showing its face most of the time, is that really the issue? Gender disparity? I don't believe so, especially in this age of when it's not even just men and women anymore. You're talking about trans community stuff that <laughs> happens in sports that some agree with, most don't. Yeah, I, I'm not sure what point she was trying to make, but as long as in, as long as people aren't hurting somebody or humiliating their opponent, their opponent or other people, who cares how people celebrate? Exactly. She she's waiting around. I mean, we're in the age now where everyone's a victim. Everyone has a problem with someone if you don't agree with them, or if you're not even on the in the same universe with their thought process. And she's thinking that there's some type of gender disparity. She's talking about gender shaming, woman shaming. I mean, you know, and it probably goes back to what she is bringing this up for to begin with, which I didn't even bother because I don't even like the conversation uh, because it, it takes away from the celebration. It takes away from the game. I don't think it's as big an issue on this stage as it is. You know, you go back to the LSU-Iowa game, you know, and the NCAA female basketball, and you had your issues there. You know what I mean? Back then, they tried to use the race card as usual, and there may have been some connotation, but really, you know what I mean? It's Everything leads to that. Why can't we just have sports? And if society brings that thing to us, we can run with that. As it stands right now, I, I don't think yeah. she has a real leg to stand on. And there, she got over 2 million responses or views from that, and people <laughs> responding and agreeing with her. So those are just people who are part of the problem, who are just like her. In my opinion, well, I've been saying for a long time, the USA is a is a I'll use a different term, but wussified nation. We've become very wussified. Yes, and people are, are quick to get in their feelings. That's about all I can say. On that, that's about all. I <laughs> that's all you want to say right now. You could go in. <laughs> you could go in if you wanted to go in. But I understand what you're talking about, and people who are listening to this, they also understand the wussification of America. I mean, come on now. We have trans people trying to get in to sports when they can just have their own league. Hey, we can have men, women, and if you want trans and let them just compete amongst each other. I know this is a conversation that's going a little bit left, but let them compete against each other. Let it's men all right. compete against men. That's all right. My, my response to that whole thing is people want to identify as however they want. Okay, that's fine. But what if I want to identify as a billionaire 
Can I go into the bank and say, give me all your money? I'm a billionaire. Of course not. But this is what we have right well, that now. That tells you how ridiculous it is. And the ridiculous, even more ridiculous, you have millions of people who agree with that, believing that, you know, that uh, you can identify with whatever you want. This is not what was happening 10, 15 years ago. I don't know science-wise what's changed in the process other than changing definitions because the biology of it has not changed outside of someone physically having their biology changed. Outside of that, I mean, men should compete against men. Women should compete against women. And if you want to be trans and identify as one way or the other, have your own little thing. It could be supported by the NBA because you know they will support something like that. They've been supporting the WNBA with real women, and it's been a losing proposition for decades, and they still continue to put money into it, you know, as they cry for even more money. I just thought this was kind of something. Yeah, you, hit it, you hit it on the head. You know, men are men, women are, are women. Men should not compete against women. And uh, definitely men should not go to a women's sport nope. pretending to be a woman. Yeah. You know, you have a couple of um uh estrogen sessions and now you're kind of sort of equal to a woman. It's, it's just doesn't go that way. Almost in every case, there's a dominant male, biological male who's dominating these women in one sport or another. And you know, if it happens in something like a combat sport, you know it's going to be even worse. It could be, we've seen somewhat of that before. But right now, the sports that aren't as physical, like <clears throat> basketball, you're never going to see the football unless it's a kicker. You know, it's not going to happen. But nevertheless, man, these are things that we're going to eventually have to get into sometime or another. And there's some shows that we can actually have some compelling information or compelling conversation about since we say we want to have the conversation. And once again, with that conversation, we're on four days a week, Monday through Thursday. Today is our Friday since today is Thursday. And we're getting into the business of speaking sports the Sports Bag Bros podcast, episode number 11. We're glad to have you along as we continue to cruise through some of these things. Sticking with a little bit of basketball before we move on to anything else. MJ's shoes. MJ, Michael Jordan, arguably the greatest player of, of all time. In fact, I think the more I listen to the argument, I'm starting to believe it because I did have LeBron up there. I was like, hey, one is not, more, one is not greater than the other based on accomplishments, but the more I listen to it, I think I'm thinking that MJ's pretty much by himself on that Mount Rushmore. You know, when it comes down to well, one man Mount Rushmore. But MJ's shoes, they go for the big bucks, $1.38 million at auction. And you're a Chicago land person, you're a Bulls fan. I mean, I understand that the money's out there. This is inflation. People find the money to still buy those <laughs> things. Come on. Yeah, I mean, somebody won those shoes bad, obviously. I mean, maybe a few people. I don't know how the price was driven up. $1.38 million for a pair of shoes. That, that seems a little outrageous. Even if they were MJ's flu game, that wasn't actually the flu. But you know, that just goes, yeah, that just goes to show you, you know, how much people were enamored with Michael's game. You know, I watched I watched him, you know, you mentioned I'm a Bulls fan. Yeah. I watched him for all those years and you know, I saw many great plays. So I, I can understand, you know, if, if I'm a billionaire or whatever, yeah, it would be cool to have those shoes in my, my room encased in glass. If one point three eight million ain't nothing to me, why not? Unbelievable. I mean, even if it's somebody who has like $50 million and you still decide to spend $1.38 million or something like that. And 
you know what? Someone else may buy it from them later on at a higher price. Because I sell it for two. You might flip them. Yeah, the, because the original owner of those shoes sold them, you know, and now they're pretty much a 1,200% increase from where they sold initially, you know, from him. Because he was, you know, I think it was a, a ball boy that had gotten, you know, gotten the shoe from Mike because he bought him applesauce all the time before games. So they kind of got a nice rep, a little um, a rapport going. And, hey, he capitalized off of it later on. And what's even more amazing is that that price isn't even a record because there was Michael Jordan's, what was it, his Air 13s that sold for $2.2 million from his Game 2 1998 game. I mean, Mike is there. I don't, I don't see it. No, LeBron is still praying, so we can't make no com comparisons in that Mike, regard. LeBron is still praying. Mike and shoes. Mike and shoes just go hand in hand. He was the one who created this frenzy we have right now. The old Chuck Taylors didn't lead way to Michael Jordan's <laughs> shoes the way he did. What Michael Jordan's done with his Jordans has led to what shoes are today. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, mean, I mean, Chuck Taylor, but it never was like this. If you if you watch the movie Air, I believe they did a good job explaining you know how he signed to Nike. That movie's not not about Michael. It's more about Sonny Vaccaro and what he did. He gave him the sign and the pitch they made and everything. And it breaks it down like how how they created the shoe and what they did. They knew that the shoe was going to get get fines. And they're like, pay the fines, pay the fines. You know, and that added to the mystery, you know, the mystic of, oh, Jordan shoes are banned. I got to go get them. Yeah. You know, and it just took off. Yeah, I remember when the Jordans were back in, like, when I was 15 years old. I'm not even going to mention the year. But <laughs> <dates> myself. <laughs> but they were $99. That's it. Figure it, it out. People can figure it out. Yeah, of course. It was, they were $99. I lived in New York at the time because I grew up in New York. Uh, well, born and raised up there. And there was $107 after tax because of New York's eight and a quarter percent tax. So $99 Jordans back then. And they were the top of the line Jordans that were going out that everyone was banging down the doors to get. Those same Jordans now go over four or $500 easy on yeah. any of these apps that you can find or even on Amazon or even eBay. Yeah. And, you know, even being a Bulls fan and playing a lot of basketball, I only bought one, no, two pairs of Jordans. I bought the Jordan 6, and I don't remember the number, but it was like 1997, whatever year that was. But um, So I, I've only bought two of his shoes. Most of them I, I, I didn't like, actually. I was like, oh, I wouldn't wear those. You didn't like them design-wise or the way they felt? Oh, design-wise, just the look of them. Okay, because I don't know, since you're playing, you're probably putting them on, running up and down the court and doing whatever. And they just don't feel right. You probably feel more of the pavement than you're feeling the cushion in the shoe. You're like the old Chuck Chuck Taylor. I, with the I, would never, I never would get that far because I wouldn't leave the store with them. <laughs> <laughs> this test driving in the store. <laughs> yeah, but another is example of wherever there's MJ's name somewhere, there's money to be had and ridiculous amounts at that. So we try to put a lid on the NBA. We know that's not going to happen. The draft is next week, so we know we're going to talk a little bit about some of the players. And we still haven't heard from, from Silver for John Moran's punishment. That's he waiting for drop today. I mean, is he going to wait for the day before the draft? What is he waiting for? Maybe he's waiting for the parade. He don't want to throw no shade at, at their celebration. I can understand that. But he said after the finals, finals ended Monday night. Tomorrow's Friday. What's up? 
Well, he didn't say directly after the finals. I guess after the finals, <laughs> any day before training camp, he can let you know. Wait till the night before game one. Oh, by the way, you're suspended for 40 games. For the rest of the year. No, I heard somebody say today, of course, you're going to get a whole bunch of unofficial news out there about him getting suspended either for the entire season. I don't see that happening because the Players Association is going to obviously get involved. But I don't know if they're going to get involved in this case to save face or they're really trying to save him from not playing for the entire season and going without the money. But, yeah, they're there for the players, as we already know. But, yeah, that's something that we're going to look for. I was, I was expecting it today. I thought it would be the perfect time. But you know what? You're right about the parade. It's there. So they didn't probably want to throw a monkey wrench in that. Friday, you know what? That might be a great time because that's typically when you get your worst news and it kind of dies out a little bit over the weekend. So Monday is not as fresh. You know what I'm saying? So and, You know, if they schedule like a 2 o'clock press conference, all the morning shows are done, you know, yep. there's not going to be a lot of uh, – no, no, no words from Skip on on TV. No words from Broussard and Nick Ride and Stephen A. So maybe that's what he's looking for. Who knows? Well, you know, we'll find out from Silver eventually what's going to go on. I know it has to be something with teeth in it this time around. I mean, they've given this guy more than one chance, and I think there won't be that big of an outcry when the decision finally comes down. And, and speaking of decisions in the combat sports world, Conor McGregor is showing his face again in public. Doing Conor McGregor things, wait a minute, over the past several months, maybe even a couple of years, what has been Conor McGregor things other than getting in trouble outside of an octagon? Yeah, I don't know. You know, now there's allegations that he committed uh, a crime Great. against the Grape. Yeah, he, he's Grape Ape, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Grape Ape. Blasting the past. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, hopefully it's not true, but I don't know. He, he's he's been going down the wrong path. It seems you know everything that he's involved with has been negative. Yeah. You know he sent the the heat mascot to the hospital, and apparently or allegedly same night he he assaulted or did something to somebody. Unbelievable! And once again, we're in a society today that's unforgiving. They cancel anyone who doesn't agree with them, or even if it's on the fringe more likely you're guilty until proven innocent and with an accusation can change the field so quickly and you won't, you won't get a fair trial once that accusation is out there and it's public and you're a public person. We've seen it happen before. But, you know, once again, I think he's only been accused and it's just that, an accusation. But I know there are some people who don't like him that jump on it. There are some people who might be feminists who jump on it or there may be people who just like to look at somebody just wallow that they don't like because they're making a lot of money or they're a prominent person, they'll they'll be more than happy to attack him whether he's guilty or innocent without any trial. The public opinion, you know, guilty until proven innocent. Yeah, I just wonder, you know, you figure he's not there by himself. He probably has a little entourage. And based on the allegation, like how could that happen? Yeah. If he people with him. So you know, the whole the whole thing is questionable, but I'm not going to call anybody a liar. I don't know. Just have to wait and see. No, I'm certainly not going to call anybody a liar under these circumstances in particular. But I'm not going to also believe that you must listen to somebody just because they said something. Because we've seen this happen so many times where someone said something and it's been wrong. And then all they do is apologize or just take public scorn. But the person that becomes the real victim has a problem for the rest of their lives because of it you know, trying to clear their name, even though 
the person has been found a liar or just completely guilty. But right. anyways, yeah, I think that Conor McGregor definitely since the Mayweather debacle, this guy's done pretty much nothing. He's gone back to MMA. He's been losing there. Now he's outside of the octagon. He's losing there. And now he's calling out other fighters. I think recently called out Canelo Alvarez. This is just another payday deal for him. You know, but man, he has more than enough to handle on his plate outside of just being in a combat sport. You know, the combat on the outside seems as dangerous as the combat, in, in combat on the inside of the octagon. Or yeah, I thought, his, I thought his liquor was doing well. I can't remember if it was whiskey or... Okay, you know what? It might be. He's drinking a lot of it, apparently. He just sit back and, and collect. But you know how that is. He's, what, 34 years old? Still young. I mean, older for a fighter or a combat sport individual. But, man, there's so much life ahead if he lives life the proper way. And I don't mean straight close to the vest, but just living almost normal with a whole bunch of money, still doing a little bit of your shenanigans, but probably growing out of it. You know, it's hard to kind of just sit there when the world is your oyster and the world is so small to you to where you can just go from place to place. Everyone knows who you are. Kind of hard to stay out of trouble because you can have those false allegations. Not that this is one of them, but you can have allegations that can throw you off track even when you're doing quasi the right thing. That's true. You know, maybe he just has to learn to keep himself out of certain situations. You know, and you know, staying in boxing like we follow boxing for decades, and we've heard about or seen a lot of these entourages, and you hear these people try to. Uh, tell you about how these entourages work, the dynamic of an entourage. Keep this guy out of trouble because this is our meal ticket, essentially, is what they're saying. He has an entourage all the time. His entourage is pretty doggone huge. Where is that point guy that's going to steer him away and take the beating? Yeah, I, I don't know. He doesn't. Apparently, he doesn't have one. I don't know if it's a different dynamic over in Ireland than it is over here, but you know what? I mean, you, you, need, to, you need to keep the golden goose alive because without him everyone starves you know Mayweather had his Ali had his I mean McGregor has his a lot of guys throughout history have had their entourages and there's always been some sense AI had his entourage you know what I mean there's always someone that's supposed to be able to you know what we're all eating out here we gotta you know we gotta protect the golden goose Tupac had his entourage and you get the head cut off and everybody goes into disarray but Conor McGregor once again in the news for all of the wrong reasons. I mean, if he announced his next fight, that might be a wrong reason because he hasn't won so much lately. But um, that's that on that end. And thinking about looking in the future of sports because this is considered the dead time of year. We've talked about the NFL coming up next month, which is July at the end of the month. We have mini camps going on right now, which is going to lead way to these training camps in July preparing for the season, preseason games, et cetera, Hall of Fame game coming up, the Jets and the Cleveland Browns in Canton, Ohio. And, well, college football as well. The media days have started up. And there was some big news just yesterday about the SEC, in my opinion, I think the opinion of a lot of others, the best conference in all of college football, which has probably gotten better now that Oklahoma and Texas are joining in 2024. The schedule comes out. And we get some pretty bang-up matchups that kind of leaked out as of yet, uh, right so far. And Alabama taking on Georgia. Georgia's going to Bryant-Denny Stadium to take on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Only the fifth time these two would have met in the past 20 years during the regular season because these two teams are such powerhouses. They typically see each other in either the SEC championship game 
or a national championship game. Maybe both because they're <laughs> that good. So that's a heck of a matchup that people can look forward to in 2024 because those two teams, Texas and Oklahoma, coming from the Big 12 to the SEC. And then you're going to have an old rivalry. Well, not so old because they hadn't been gone for long. Texas and Texas A&M battling out as well, you know, when they get to the SEC. So I just thought we would mention some of that. Do you have any early thoughts on football period in terms of college football? Or are you just going to keep it to the vest until we finally get in to college football? Well, you mentioned Georgia and Bama. You know, obviously that's going to be a huge game. Yes. And, you know, the winner of that game is going to pull up to the top of the pole if they're not already there. And the other team's going to have some work to do to get back up. But, you know, it's not easy going into Alabama and coming out with the W. No. Mm-mm. But we're talking about back-to-back champs. So, you know, we'll see. And we're talking about people who know one another. I mean, teams that know each other, not just from, you know, being next to one another statewide, but playing in the SEC for obviously decades. These te- and, and, and not it's gotten hotter since Georgia now is looked at as the dominant force in the SEC, and rightfully so, as repeat champions. Now, it won't be this upcoming season, but in 2024, those two will be battling it out. And they may get a chance to meet up again this year because if Georgia does anything like they did last season, a new quarterback this time around, I believe Carson Beck will be their quarterback. In fact, I watched him play here in Jacksonville area at Mandarin High School. If he's going to take over the reins at Georgia after the great, and you got to call him great, Stetson Bennett won two national championships as a walk-on you know, if he can continue to do that with all the talent that Kirby Smart has at Georgia, man, Alabama still trying to show that they have something. They still have Nick Saban. They're still getting five-star talent, and Nick has already proven with six championships. He knows what to do with those guys and coach them up. It's nothing but combustible going into next season. So Alabama, Georgia, getting it together in the he, regular season in 2024. The you know, Saban has that Saturday circled on his calendar. Oh, Absolutely. Saban would never tell you, but you know when Saban wants to win because there have been more people talking about Kirby Smart repeating or three-peating than Nick Saban, you know, losing a little bit and trying to come back and get back to where he believes is his rightful spot. If you look at these rosters, I mean, Alabama has their own quarterback problems right now because they're trying to find a quarterback that can replace the number one overall draft pick in the NFL and Bryce Young, but Georgia has their quarterback situation going on as well, but at least Carson Beck has been on the roster. And these teams lose a plethora of players every year. Georgia in particular, first round is galore, leaving and still trying to keep things going. And You know what, though? If I'm a Bama fan, I'm thinking, hey, Saban, quit complaining about NIL, quit complaining about this, quit complaining about that. Get your butt back in, in the, the locker room. Start coaching again. You know, stop worrying about this, worrying about that, worry about your team. Yeah, and that's true. You know what? He went to Washington, D.C., lobbying about the NIL. You know, look, what's going on in NIL right now, name, image, and likeness, is a lot of what was going on behind closed doors for decades anyway. (laughs) I mean, the big suitcases of money that Eric Dickerson had gotten from SMU, you know, it was done in the dark. And he refused. I mean, not SMU. He got it from another college and eventually went to SMU. And they had their issues with the, the dots and 280ZXs and, and eventually had the death penalty and lost their team for two years. But that type of thing has been going on for years, getting money under the table, the wink or the trailer or the car, whatever, the, the new job for the parent or the relative, 
all of that type of thing has been going on. It's now in the open now. And there's, you know, there's some equity involved now. You got it's more equitable now than it ever has been because you know you can get as much as you can as long as you know how to market yourself the right way. But in this case, you have players who are prominent, like a Bryce Young, who's able to get the money from the Heisman house while he's still on campus at Alabama. <laughs> so now he's in the pros getting paid. But also the other side of the partition, some of these players may not have to rush to the NFL anymore. They can make their money here and still get to the NFL eventually. Maybe if you're a third-round draft pick, you still stay in school. If you're a number one pick, well, you know what? A lot of that money in college is not going to add up to what you're going to get as a pro immediately. So, right. it, yeah, but Nick Saban needs to chill with that. And I don't know. I don't think it's gamesmanship either. I think he's – If he was the coach of my school, that's what I'd be thinking. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you, you get a school like New Mexico State, they have a deal. I mean, this is a Mountain West team, I believe, and they have – their deals, the way their players are getting paid. Who's from New Mexico State is going to the NFL? Not very many of those guys, if any at all. So it gives them a chance to get a few bucks while in college. You're getting that free tuition anywhere. I know there are people out there who claim that that free tuition means absolutely nothing, and that's absolutely ridiculous. Unbelievable. I mean, you go to someone like even Vanderbilt, who puts pretty much zero plays into the NFL, costs about 70 grand a year. You're talking 140 grand in just two years. You're talking 280, uh, uh, 280 grand in the course of a four-year education. If you're redshirt, another 70 grand. <laughs> Come on. Right. It, it costs money for a real <laughs> education with real student athletes. Not everybody's a football factor. So that's the rant that we went on. Nick Saban, behave yourself. And with that, <laughs> we want to talk. Uh, uh, I want to at least mention that I, uh, what I should have mentioned yesterday. There's a young man out in Tennessee. And um, he was he, he, he was killed in an ATV accident, a commit to Arkansas, uh, Deion Strutt, you know, um, big young kid. Commit Stutz. To Arkansas. Stutz. Stutz. Yeah, Stutt, right? You said Strutt. Oh, Stutt. <laughs> Strutt. He was <laughs> the stuff on the football field when he was doing it. But now, you know, and it's a tragedy because, you know, especially for, I mean, for everybody involved, I've followed college sports and high school sports more than I follow pro sports most times. So you get to see these guys as kids and you watch them come up. Not that I've watched him because he's in, he was in Memphis. He was a three-star player. Not that that's a bad thing. The dude was still a player. You can become a first-round draft pick as a three-star player, even as a one-star player, if you put in the work at the right program. And, you know, he passed away in an ATV accident on his family farm in Batesville, Mississippi. And I thought that we just needed to mention, mention that. His school yeah, was in you, Memphis, Tennessee, and he passed away in Mississippi. So yeah, you know, condolences to his family and friends and fans. Unbelievable. You know, it's just a shame he's out there trying to have a good time and you know had an accident. Yeah, it, and uh, not much you can really say, but just offer sympathies. Yeah, and it's it's never I mean, it's not good no matter who dies from something that like that. But when you see a young person with so much promise, you would like to believe everyone has promise. But these guys are probably a little bit more prominent in their communities because they're looked at on these Friday nights when these little towns go out to watch them and they lose someone. So they have more of an impact most times when they, they're gone. And for something like this at 18 years old, what a tragedy for Scott <clears throat> to pass away. And the Arkansas faithful, you know, Suey Pig, they've been saying that and offering, you know, everyone's been offering their condolences from everywhere. So we have to mention that right now. And um, well, the NFL. We're talking about that coming next month. And um, Jamar Chase, that's a guy that we know is, he has all the potential to be a future Hall of Famer. He says Joe Burrow is the number one quarterback in the NFL right now. 
Um, there's an argument to be made for the Bengals, the best quarterback on the Bengals, but as long as Patrick Mahomes is collecting rings and records, <clears throat> I mean, there isn't even a close second. I'm all for guy for for guys supporting their man. You know, he's a wide receiver. You know, he has his quarterbacks back. Support your quarterback by all means. But saying Pat who? Yeah. Oh, well, you know, do the Chiefs need bulletin board material? Exactly. Oh, probably not. But if they meet up, you know, in the back of his head, Pat Mahomes be like, Pat who? Okay, I'll, I'll show you Pat who. I'm a two-time champion, and I'm going through you for my third. And yep. my go for 350 and four touchdowns, and then after the game, he's going to have the last laugh. You know, no no need to poke the bear. No. You know, tell, just tell him, just say, hey, I love my guy. I think he's the best. You don't have to say Pat who. Yeah, and a competitor like Pat Mahomes, that's a going to be in the front of his mind because, you know, the media will push that narrative. <laughs> if those two are going Did to Did you play, hear what Jamar Chase said about you? Exactly. Oh, wait a minute. You know, it was said back in June, but do you remember that? Bro, you uh -huh. know what? I don't have Alzheimer's, man. I know what's going on. And you know what? In the natural flow of just being a great player, I know that as well. And the Bengals, at least they aren't the Bengals of old who just falters every opportunity they, they get. <clears throat> they haven't got to the Super Bowl yet, but they look a lot more formidable than Bengals teams from the past. And with Joe Burrow leading the way and Jamar Chase and more, I mean, come on, they, they got a team that can get there. But until you dethrone the champ that's in your division, you don't have much to say. Because if, if it's not going to be Mahomes, what happens if it's not even you? Then <laughs> you're still just talking. Yeah. You know I mean? But no. Yeah. While you were talking, I was reminded, you know, we talked about MJ earlier, of the story KG says when he was a rookie and uh, Isaiah Ryder was having a good game against Mike. And he's telling him, hey, man, go at that. And go at that end, man. He, he can't do nothing. And Isaiah Ryder's telling MJ, hey, man, he's a rookie. He don't know what he's saying. <laughs> <laughs> he's, trying, he's just trying to, hey, pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. He's like, no, man, go at him. Go at him. He can't guard you. So next eight minutes, Mike Mike and the Bulls did their thing. They went from being down six, up 15. KG's on the bench. Hey, 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 JR, my bad, my bad. Hey, you got to learn. That could be Jamar Chase in the playoffs. Hey, hey, Joe, my bad, my bad. Yeah, exactly. You know, my bad, especially when Joe was throwing the ball to the next guy and Jamal had to chase him down to get the ball back. So, yeah, but I think, well, MJ, come on, he was at another level. And, KG, you know, KG being the mouth that he was as he eventually developed as the NBA player, one of the legendary talkers of all time, you know, and also a hell of a damn player, Hall of Famer as well. You know, but, but you know, it, it never prevents a guy like that from speaking because they have to speak to save face. But when you're going against a guy like MJ, and to a degree, LeBron, who <clears throat> could cut you up and embarrass you, you know, you get eventually you're going to get put in your place because you're always talking. You know, I, I give credit to the guys who talk because you ultimately have to back it up, or you he be had, he just had he just had to learn. He he didn't yeah. know. Ugh. What a way to learn though in front of millions of people. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's do this in private, man. Let's, let's do it one on one without the media, and, and that's what was happening there. And I, I'm sticking with the NFL as we continue to go on with the show for the next couple of minutes. Yesterday we brought up. Uh, Roger Craig, the former legendary player for the San Francisco 49ers for the majority of his career, and Terrell yeah. Davis, who played for the Denver Broncos, and we compared them and who's in the Hall of Fame, who isn't, who should be, who shouldn't be. Both of them, I believe, deserve it, but I can see why TD, and I made my case yesterday, why he was in there, 
and Roger Clark. But let me follow up on that because I mentioned Lester Hayes yesterday. Yes. And today I remember that the Raiders punter Ray Guy is in the Hall of Fame. Yep. You got their punter, but you don't have their shutdown corner. Get Lester <laughs> Hayes in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it, it makes every, all the sense in the world. But you know what? When it comes down to a punter, you always want to get that one guy that's going, you know, to make sure it's the football. You know, hall you include kickers, and if you're going to include he, a kicker, Ray Guy is the guy. You he was a be. he was an awesome punter. I'm yeah. just saying, you yeah, got the punter I mean, same team. Come on, you got to shut down corner. He's got to be. Think it's a lingering effect from Al Davis and his shenanigans with the NFL for the entire time he was alive. You know, from the days he was with the AFL to the days that the NFL and the AFL merged, they still didn't get their differences settled until the day Al Davis died. He was still spinning in the face of the NFL. Could that be a case? For Lester Hayes? Yeah, for Lester or Hayes or any other Raiders, Raiders, Raiders players in general? Stable's not there either. Yeah, who knows? I, I can't speak for the, the Raider haters, so I, I don't know. <laughs> in the NFL, you could be on to something. <laughs> the, the NFL may be one of the Raider haters. And, and, go, and so we did talk about, uh, in that whole mix, we talked about Daryl Green because we looked at how Daryl Green caught people from behind. Arguably one of the fastest men to ever play in the NFL and during the time he played. I don't think there's an argument at all. I, I think it's for sure, yeah. Yeah, proving. He showed and proved that he <laughs> was the fastest man in the NFL because not only did he catch you from behind, during the NFL specific fastest man in the NFL contest, he was winning. Most of the time, and we will find that he, out right he here. He returned. He returned a punt against my Bears in the playoff game, holding his side oh, while he's running the ball, and they still couldn't tackle him. He ran yeah. it all the way back. And here we go with Dow Green on the forefront. Tony Dorsett. He's not even in the picture. <laughs> he, he's passing up all his teammates. This is the one here I was referencing yesterday. Yeah, this is the one you're referencing. We know the Pony Express from SMU with Craig James. When when Dickerson broke the line, Green was facing the line of scrimmage. He had to turn around and still call him. Still call him. I mean, that kind of speed is other world. I mean, he ran in 10-0-8 in the 100 meters in college. He still holds the record. And that's the great John Madden telling us what it's about. I don't think the Ravens, Ravens, the Rams scored a touchdown on that drive. But this is Herschel Walker beating him. So to me, the most impressive thing isn't that. Do you have a bad hammy or something in this race? I don't know. But what I do know is that even if it wasn't a bad, uh, was a bad hammy, Herschel Walker was 220, 225, and over six feet tall. Yeah, Herschel was fast. Herschel's a freak of nature. I've met Herschel Walker here in Jacksonville back in like 2000, I think 2005. And this guy's still built like a rock. And I was speaking to him. He said, I can still run a uh, a 4-3 right now. He had had dress shoes on. And I didn't even doubt him. I was like, you know what? He should have timed him, man. All right, let me see it. Man. (laughs) 
you know, nicest guy, man. I mean, you know, when he decided to run for politics, everything gets dirty. Everybody comes up with dirty laundry. But for the time I had spoken to him, because he was one of the celebrity guests here, we have a boxing event every year, charity, firemen, policemen, guns and hoses. He was one of the celebrity guests and he, oh, judges. And, and bro, he's like, oh, feel this. I felt his arm, bro. Come on now. This guy's granted. And he was an older guy, long retired, just hanging out, just doing what Churchill, Churchill does, which is 2,000 push-ups and sit-ups a day since 13 years old. You know, and, and you saw every bit of it. And yeah, but to see him beat Dow Green and <clears throat> Dow may have had something wrong with him because we've seen him smoke some fast dudes like Willie Gold, you know, like um, Rod right. Wilson, who was fast before he became a safety. So he, he was just doing it. You know, as I mentioned, a 10-08 in 100 meters, I think it was called the, the Lone Star State Conference where he played for in, um, in college with Texas A&I, which is now today Texas A&M Kingsville. I mean, absolutely phenomenal player. Uh, had a phenomenal career, no question a Hall of Famer. You know, the one thing that surprised me is that he was one of the guys, along with Art Monk, who thought about changing, who was part of changing the Redskins' name to the Commanders. I didn't think a long time Redskins like him would do something like that. Art Monk, I can see. You know what I mean? Art Monk is from New York, White Plains High School, and I bring that up because a friend of mine's mom went to school with him, and I saw him in the yearbook, Arthur Monk. So, yeah, that's a <laughs> shout out right there. Yeah, let me. So you gave a shout out. Let me give a shout out to Bullet Bob Hayes because Bob. he may have been the fastest ever to play in the NFL. Oh, you know what? Hey, hey, hey go prove it. Word is they created the zone defense because nobody could cover him one on one. Is that the word, or just just a fact? Because they just couldn't. I mean, he. I, I actually made a video about him when I was covering HBCU football. I may upload that video to our channel so that people can enjoy <laughs> listening to the story of Bullet Bob Hayes, who's from here in Jacksonville. I actually had a chance. I didn't know him personally, but I've seen him enough in the press box when I was covering the Jaguars and spoke to him several times. And Well, that's another story for another day. But the, the, he's a legend <laughs> here in Jacksonville, man, and he, he's a, a legend in the NFL. He had his troubles and trials and tribulations with drugs and you know, substance abuse. But, hey, that doesn't take away from the speed he had. I mean, Lyndon Johnson vouched for him to, yo, let him run for the Olympic team, man. And his coach had to step down, like, yo, okay, we're going to do it, but we're going to do it my way. But nevertheless, you're right. Bullet Bob Hayes. And when he ran in the Olympics, he was doing it in borrowed shoes because he had forgot one of his or he got misplaced or something. So he didn't even have his shoes to run it. He still won. He's a legend. I mean, you know, know, he ended up in a, a wheelchair, and it took a while for them to put him into the Hall of Fame. And I can see why, because the career wasn't completely descriptive. <clears throat> but going by the stats, the 20 yards per reception and the pump returning and all that type of stuff, you know, that wasn't huge back then, but his numbers were ridiculous compared to everyone else's. That's why he ended up there. And there was a guy in particular here in Jacksonville from our news station who fought until it happened, a guy named Sam Kavaris, our local guy. He's retired now, but he specifically was on the NFL about that for years. And luckily it got done. And luckily for us, we also have Pete Prisco, who writes for CBS, who lives in Jacksonville on occasion, but he's from New York. He was also a part of it as well. But anyway, Bullet Bob Hayes, nice little pull from the past. And then finally, we're going to talk about the A's and their reverse boycott. I mean, hey, the fans are coming together for the right reasons or wrong reasons. If they were to come together like this often, maybe the money would be there to continue to get the great players that they – know that they used to have in order to have something going on the a's they aren't a bad organization historically they've had championships multiple championships 
Yeah, I don't. I, I, I'm not sure what happened in Oakland. You know, I wasn't uh, keeping tabs on them, but I know they were historically bad earlier this season. Oh, this now they're on the roll. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the fans showed up, like you mentioned, the reverse boycott. But what was so crazy is they were so loud, their own pitcher on the mound couldn't hear his pitch count. He's <laughs> like, I can't hear. I can't. They, they, they affected the game, you know, with their chanting, sell the team, sell the team, you know. So shout out to Oakland A's fans. You know, you guys showed showed out, and I don't know if the owner got the message. Did it work? He's probably not going to sell the team, but at least your voice was heard. 27,759 Oakland A's fans showed up. I mean, it wasn't like that all year because they were losing. I think they were on a six-game winning streak. They beat the Tampa Bay Rays. The Rays are number one in the AL East right now. They had a hell of a start, kind of reminiscent in the beginning at least, of that Detroit Tigers team from 85 or 84 when Detroit Tigers just started off like 35 and 5. They, I thought they were on that pace, and they were just – I think they went 13 straight wins until they finally lost. But this A's team is supposed to be the doormat, and they come all the way over here and beat up on Tampa Bay. And, and this fervor that's going on right now, I think they're carried by that. Now, it may be all for nothing, but it's unfortunate that teams move from place to place because um, Las Vegas wants them. I think over $300 million in taxpayer money is going to help get them over there. And Bryce Harper. 380 $380 million. $380 that's a lot. I mean, come on. I mean, yeah, that's, money. that's public money, part of yeah. $1.5 total. Yeah. And, and and Bryce Harper had something to say about it. He says um, he doesn't see them as Vegas. Um, What? <laughs> you don't see them as Vegas? <laughs> what? A team moves away. I didn't see the Cleveland Browns as the Baltimore Ravens either. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, what that, that's what he's saying. He's saying if they move, he doesn't think they should take the brand with them. They should not be able to use the A's name. And, you know, he has a point. A great you know, point. All the great teams throughout history, you know, Reggie Jackson, you know, Catfish Hunter and, and all those guys. And then Ricky the Henderson. 80s, Ricky Henderson, Conseco, McGuire. Whoa, that's the hell of a death. All Eckersley, those guys. Man, Ar- Arnie Lansford, you know, they, they had Tony LaRusse as the manager. Yeah. But they, they have a historic history. And it's just going to be different if they're the Las Vegas Athletics. Yeah, it's hard for it to roll off the tongue, almost like the Raiders <laughs> in Los Angeles. It's hard to roll that off the tongue. That was the first time I said it, and it sounded weird coming out. But the more you say it like this, the Cleveland Guardians still doesn't sound right to me in baseball, or even the Washington Commanders doesn't sound natural to me in, in football. And, and, you know, things are changing for the reason that, that they are changing. And um, But what are you going to do? The A's, look, and as you mentioned, that they should leave the name because that happened with the Yankees years ago when – yeah, but are they going to get another team to 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 have the brand for? Yeah, Will Oakland get a team? They'll have to start from scratch to do that. Yeah, but if you're the MLB, why would you give them another franchise? Well, because you know what? Right now, the fervor has this twenty-seven thousand seven hundred fifty-nine people really going after, and of course, that's just more symbolism than anything else. Because with a new team, it all starts well until it's not well. You know, like the Seattle SuperSonics, it was all well until it's not well. You know, what I mean, it took the uh, Oklahoma State, I mean, not Oklahoma State, Oklahoma City, the Thunder. You know, things were well until they weren't well, but now they're getting back to being right. You know, so you have to have that consistency. And Oakland does have the area and where, you know, you can make things work. Now, Oakland as a city, 
Is it difficult to get a team to stay there and have the money and the people that's going to be able to pay and support for, support the team? Uh, I, I don't know for sure because, you know, it is an impoverished a impoverished area right across the way from San Francisco, which isn't as impoverished in terms of the people who are earning. A bad homeless problem, but people who are earning are earning a whole lot. Right. But they're still playing in the Coliseum, right? Uh, I think so. I mean, it's a football stadium. If they get a then you know you watch an Oakland A's game, m- not most, but a lot of the stadium is blocked off. You can't even get there as a fan if you wow. wanted to. Like they can't, they can't feel it. It's a football stadium. Yeah, it's kind of so. like um, well, well, Candlestick Park when the Giants played there with the 49ers. You know, <laughs> that, that little baseball infield, you know, <laughs> and you trip over pitchers' mouths and stuff on a brick break. <laughs> but anyways, but, I mean, look at look at the nice park that San Francisco has now. Oh, absolutely. They can. I've been to Pittsburgh. It's one, it's a smaller stadium, but it's one of the nicest stadiums. They can build a really nice smaller stadium. Yeah, that they can fill maybe thirty five thousand. You know, it doesn't have to be fifty thousand. A smaller stadium with smaller dimensions, meaning more home runs. So you get yourself a little band box and get some contracts. Well, the, the, the dimensions could be the same. We're just talking capacity. Yeah, capacity-wise. They need that money to come in. I know that much. And if you're talking about a 30, 35,000-man stadium, hey, 27,000-plus going in, it makes it look kind of sort of full. And if it's consistent, there's money coming in nonetheless. So that'll be it for us right now. Our Friday is about to end on episode number 11 of the Sports Bag Bros podcast. Episode number 11, which is crazy because we're just steaming through. All of these sports still going on. We'll pick up other sports. This is the weekend coming. We'll review everything on Monday that happened during the weekend. And we'll look forward to other things, which should be the NBA draft as well. We don't have to get into every play that's going into it. But we can look at some of these lottery picks or some of these outlier picks that we can talk about that you might have watched during the college basketball season. It's specifically during the NCAA tournament when you had some historic upsets once again with FDU. So, hey, for Tribe, he's biased, and we hope that you catch us here on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe, and make sure, more importantly, you give us a thumbs up. We're also just, on Spotify. Check us out just there. Say I'm, just want to say I'm looking forward to that uh, Adam Silver press conference. Oh, yeah. Hopefully we should have Monday, it by Monday. Yeah, we should have it by Monday. Yeah, if he says something, because if I think he's like the political people, say something on Friday because it hides it because it dies out by the, the next Monday, hey, that'll be a good deal. But it's still going to be news for people who follow basketball. And we're going to try to talk about it with you. So, again, our Trav, he's biased. The Sports Bag Bros Podcast, episode number 11, is coming to an end. Catch you soon. See you.